Hey, Moving Forward listeners, believe it or not, the holidays are right around the corner. So get the ball rolling and get your ducks in a row. The Corporate Clichés Coloring Book makes the perfect white elephant office party gift or surprise stocking stuffer for your favorite work-from-home colleague. It's available now on Amazon. You can also find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Let's celebrate the holidays with some low-hanging fruit and a bubbling glass of synergy. Hey, John Lim here. We're moving forward with episode 411, wrapping up the podcasting in 2022 miniseries. This is an updated miniseries, uh, building off of the one that I did three years ago in 2019 on podcasting. And uh, we've covered a lot over the last couple of weeks. Before we begin, I do want to address a slight hiccup that I had last week. So for some of you, you may have listen to episode 410 a little bit early. I uh, recorded and edited the episode and released it by accident on Monday. Episodes are supposed to come out on Thursday, and it's ironic because I talk about on episode 410 when I get into the technical stuff. I talk about uh, how Anchor does allow you to schedule episodes, and in the past, I mistakenly believed you couldn't do that, but in fact, that is a great feature that Anchor has, and I think most podcast host services have that feature built in. It's kind of a basic standard that you can program when your um, episodes release. And normally, I schedule episodes to release on Thursdays at 6 a.m. Eastern time, but I, for some reason, I neglected to do that. So as soon as I hit publish, the episode actually released on Monday. I noticed I was getting numbers on that episode, even though I thought I hadn't released it yet, and it turned out that uh, the episode was out. So some of you may have gotten a sneak peek of the episode. I did have to go back and update one of the files because there was um, there was uh, an error in there. The outro track music actually overlapped with some of the uh, end of the episode, so I had to do a few minor edits there. And uh, I also wanted to add a little more information, so I... I cut that in and I talked a lot about editing last week. So uh, just to kind of say mistakes happen and uh, I want to share this and I want to address this because this is actually a great uh, thing to talk about on a series about podcasting is that mistakes do happen. I talked about last week how I once had an interview and I forgot to hit record and five minutes in I realized the interview wasn't recording. We had to start over. Thankfully, that has only happened once. And I shared a best practice on how to avoid that because that is that is an error you don't want to experience. Uh, but accidentally releasing an episode on the wrong day, accidentally releasing an episode as soon as you upload it. I mean, those types of things happen. So let me explain what happened. The episode came out. It actually syndicated to all the major platforms. And um, what you can do in a situation like that is, well, one of two things. I mean, if the episode's ready to go, and uh, it's out there, you can leave it out there if you want, even if it's going off schedule, that's up to you. But in my situation, I wanted, I needed to do a couple of updates to the files. And secondly, I'd like to keep to a consistent schedule. And so what I did was I basically uh, logged into Anchor and and saw and confirmed that it had actually released the minute I hit publish. So I updated the publication date to Thursday. 
And what ended up happening, this was interesting, and I can give you some some actual near real-time feedback uh, or more like just like post-feedback. So when you unpublish an episode where you change the publication date for something that's already been released, it does take it down, but it doesn't do it right away. So the first place it was no longer available was Anchor. And Anchor is itself, I should mention, uh, not only a hosting service, but it's also a podcast uh, syndicated channel. You can listen to podcasts directly off of Anchor, and a lot of podcasters will promote their Anchor site. Uh, secondly, Spotify, I think, was the mo- uh, next most immediate one. That came down within a couple of minutes. And then the rest, Amazon Music, uh, Stitcher, Google, most of those came down. The one that took the longest was actually Apple. The podcast had syndicated to Apple Podcasts, and I think it took maybe about an hour or two before it came down, so I continued to gain listens on that. So for those of you who got to listen to the episode early, I I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got a lot out of it, and I I really thank you for tuning in. And uh, clearly, I must have some listeners who, as soon as a new episode drops, they get that alert, and then they they tune in, and that's, that's awesome to hear. Uh, for those of you who were a little bit confused, you might have seen that the episode had dropped, came back later, saw that it was no longer there. Just know that that was part of the mishap, and the episode did re-release with the updated files on Thursday. And for those of you who started listening to the episode, because I know some of you will listen to it piecemeal and then come back to it later, especially episode 410, which was a particularly long one because it covered a lot uh, I covered a lot on that episode. Um, uh, I apologize for any confusion or inconvenience. If you started listening to the episode and then came back and noticed it was no longer there, uh, hopefully you got to catch it when it came out on Thursday. And in fact, the Thursday version of the episode, the actual final version that was released, is the more complete version because I did add uh, a section on compressing your files. Uh, which uh, I talked about with respect to host service providers that give you a storage queue. And I had alluded to it in the beginning of the episode, but then I realized I forgot to address it at the end. How do you compress the files? How do you keep the storage math easy? That sort of thing. If you're using a paid hosting service that gives you a storage allowance. So last week's episode was a monster of an episode. It's one of the longest that I've done in a while. And because I had to address so much, because I I went into the technical aspects of podcasting. So accidents happen. And if they do happen to you, don't panic. It's not the end of the world. If an episode happens to go out too early, you can always change the publication date. You can replace files. That's something I should mention. I once had a situation in which I did an interview. This was years ago, back when I was doing mostly interview podcasts. And um, I had the other, the interviewee, the guest, who was actually a friend of mine, the the call dropped out. There was an interruption on Skype. And so there was like a, a minute lag where I'm just asking if the guest is still there. And that's normally something I would cut out in post-production. Um, but as it happened, for some reason, I accidentally left that in. So when I listened to the episode the day it came out, that was actually in there. And that was probably one of the first major kind of blips or hiccups I ever had with the podcast. This was early on, and I kind of had a panic reaction. I was like, oh, no, people are listening to this, blah, blah, you know. And and then I realized, wait a minute, who cares? It's not that big of a deal. So all I did was I go, I went back into the file, 
cut out the the little gap in which I'm asking it, hello, are you there? Are you still there? And then trying to get, get her back onto Skype. I just edited that part out and then replaced the file. You can do that, by the way, and I should mention this as a follow-up to last week. You can replace files if you need to. And I did that a lot, actually, over the summer. As I mentioned briefly last week, some of the older episodes... Uh, I had to go back and clean up some of the affiliate information that I had in the old episodes was out of date. So I wanted to make sure that that was up to date. Some other things that I needed to to tie up and address and make some minor changes to. And all I did was replace those files with the new ones. That's why I recommend backup your podcast files, either on the cloud or on a separate drive or what have you. And that way you always have the source material that you can refer back to in case something happens, or if you need to update them, it's, it's that much easier to open up your editor like GarageBand, snip out what you need to, replace it. And for some of those episodes, I had to re-record new segments to splice in there. So as I mentioned before, it's like a ribbon. You're cutting, you're trimming, and then sometimes you're adding in new pieces. Uh, editing, as I mentioned on the blog, is both a... Um, an art form and a skill, it's very easy to pick up. It's, an, it's a skill that I think is very useful to learn, and it can be very helpful in situations like this where you have to add some new parts to an episode. Maybe you forgot to address something you want to add it. Uh, the other thing you can do is you can leave it and then just address it the following week. So that's something that I could have done, but I figured since I was already correcting uh, a mistake with the outro music, I might as well add that section in, and it wasn't very long, so it was like a 10-second section that I recorded and added it in. And most of you listening to the episode wouldn't notice because it just sounds like it's all part of one continual recording. So uh, needless to say, this is my way of saying that mistakes do happen. You know, nothing is perfect. You will sometimes have mishaps. Sometimes Skype calls or Zoom calls will get interrupted. You may have to do a second recording. You may even have to start over. And in fact, these days when I record a solo episode, rather than edit the things that I don't like, if I feel like I'm off kilter, let's say I start an episode and I'm stumbling over my words or thoughts, I'll usually just stop it, take a pause, and then just start all over again. And that's easier for me to do than to go back and edit, edit, edit. So again, I'm going to emphasize what I said last week. Try not to over-edit your episodes. I do want to add a corrective note when it comes to editing video episodes. I talked about iMovie for Mac, and I think I briefly mentioned Windows Movie Maker for PC. Now, I haven't used the PC in years, so you'll have to pardon me for this, but I believe, I looked it up, I think Windows Movie Maker is no longer a standard free platform on Windows PCs. I think it is a, it's either no longer available or it's now a subscription platform. I know that most of the Windows and Microsoft stuff has moved over to subscription bases and I actually do subscribe to Office 365, which I actually like a lot, but I wasn't aware that Windows Movie Maker, which used to be like a standard staple on all new PCs, uh, is no longer that. It's no longer just like a standalone piece of software. I think it is a subscription-based service. That said, there are plenty of freeware options out there 
if you want to do video editing. So I recommend you explore them. You can probably Google and find a bunch. I'm not as much of an expert on applications for PC and Windows, but you can probably find tons out there. So uh, do explore that. And again, for Mac, I just usually use Movie Maker, which is, uh, or iMovie, excuse me, not Movie Maker, iMovie, which uh, comes standard natively installed on the Mac and it works uh, pretty well for me. The other thing I will mention, again, with respect to storage space, I talked about using the uh, one-to-one ratio. If you have a storage plan or a hosting plan that gives you a storage allowance, keep it simple one-to-one, one megabyte to one minute ratio. That's for audio files, MP3 files. When it comes to movie files, first of all, not all hosting plans support video. So if video is important to you, do check to make sure that that's the case. But if you're on a storage allowance, keep in mind that video files tend to be a lot larger than audio files. And I'm not sure exactly what the ratio is um, in terms of per minute, but it is going to be at least, I think, double, if not triple, Uh, what a standard audio file will be just because there's so much more data that's in there. So do keep that in mind. And again, Anchor is a great option if you don't want to mess with storage math and you want to do audio, video, or just all video. uh, It it supports that. And, And the video you can watch on Spotify, as I've talked about. So those are just some administrative notes and follow ups from last week that I just wanted to address on today's episode. All right. Today, we're going to cover two things. I'm going to talk about some best practices and tools for your podcasting journey. And then, uh, well, I guess it will be three parts. So best practices, tools, we'll take a quick break, and then I'm going to do the wrap-up for today's uh, uh, series or this uh, mini-series. And just to let you know, looking ahead, next week is going to be the holiday episode and the season finale. So I will talk more about that at the end of the episode. All right, let's jump right in. Talking about best practices. So last week, we really focused on the tech. I did give you a couple of best practices, but I want to dive a little bit more into that as you are crafting your style, as you are practicing, getting used to equipment, getting used to software. Let's start with solo podcasts. Generally speaking, When you have a mic, if you're using a mic, two to three inches from the mic is usually a good distance from you to the microphone itself. It might be a little bit farther if you're using like a disc pop guard, in which case it might be like three to four inches with the pop guard in between. But if you're just using a foam foam cover for the microphone head, then it's about two to three inches. I sometimes deviate from this, and that's just because I don't have a great mic stand. Uh, I... Like I said, I'm a creature of habit. I've just been using what's what came with the box uh, years ago. But if you use like a boom arm or a microphone arm, or if you use a much better microphone stand, it should be pretty easy to keep it within that two to three inch range. And that's generally a good distance. Now, the nice thing about the ATR mic is that it's actually really good at picking up my voice. It's good for two things. It actually is very good at picking up my voice, even if I'm a little bit further away than three inches. It's also great at blocking out a lot of external noise. So sometimes I'll have external noise and I don't use a soundproof, um, I don't use a soundproof studio or anything like that. You can if you want. The most basic thing to do, some people will record episodes in their clothes closet because the clothes hanging on the walls will actually be very good for cutting down on reverb. Some people will use 
just like the the little foam crates you can buy like that foam padding i think at like home depot it's pretty cheap and then just you know hang it on your wall you can actually get these little these boxes these like um soundproofed boxes that you can order on Amazon, which are designed for podcasters. It looks kind of like a photo booth. It's basically just like a big box that you put your computer or mic in, and then you're you're basically speaking into the mic with this thing covering your head, I think. It's just like a box. Uh, There are a lot of different devices, and obviously, as with anything, there are far more sophisticated, more expensive options. Some professional podcasters have a dedicated studio in their house where their work office or a uh, I'm seeing more and more of these kind of like uh, phone booth type things. They look like phone booths where it's just basically like a mini podcast recording studio that's just kind of soundproof. Those are very cool, but they're very expensive as well. For most of you starting out, if you if you need to do soundproofing, first of all, find a room in which you don't have as much reverb, and you should be able to kind of figure that out uh, depending on where you live. I'm I'm fortunate that uh, it, where I live in my condo, I actually my home office is actually got great um, sound insulation. There's not a lot of reverb, so that's typically what I would use. But if I would need to cut down on reverb. I might use something simple like foam crates or even hanging up towels or things like that. That's usually pretty good. But the ATR, I find, is actually really good for reducing or blocking out a lot of external noise. That's why one of the reasons why I really recommend the ATR microphones. Um, another best practice for solo is just take a pause. And, and I talked a little bit about this last week with interview podcasts. Before you actually begin speaking into the mic, especially if you're not used to doing this, you can get really um, you can get really caught up in your nerves. You can get caught up with a lot of adrenaline. For many of you, you're not used to, you're used to speaking. You do it every day. You're just not used to speaking into a mic while it's being recorded. And so sometimes you can stumble over yourself a little bit. You can get caught up in your thoughts. So just take a three-second pause before you begin. Collect your thoughts And don't be afraid to take a pause as you are speaking into the mic and recording. Sometimes you need to collect your thoughts a little bit. If you go back and you decide you're uncomfortable with those little pauses, you can always trim those out. But again, I'm going to recommend less editing is far better for your overall podcasting journey than more editing. Move on from mistakes or start over. I'm going to emphasize that again, and this builds off of what I just covered. If you make a mistake, I do it all the time on almost every episode. I stumble. I sometimes say the wrong word. I mispronunciate words, and I rather than go back and edit that, I just leave them in, correct myself, and move on. And I recommend as much as possible do that, even for interview podcasts. I will sometimes do that, and rarely do I edit those out because, and and I came to this conclusion a couple of years ago, what I'm trying to do is put out content. I'm not trying to demonstrate how great of an editor I am because those are two different skill sets. I think they're both important, but if you're editing far more than you are recording, then I think the the formula is a little bit too lopsided on the editing part. 
don't spend so much time on post-production that you're spending hours editing a 20-minute episode because it's going to get tiresome. It's going to, you're going to burn out and you're going to start losing some of the joy in just creating the content. So less editing, focus more on being mindful, improving, getting better with each episode because you will. The more you do this, the better at it you will get, the more natural you will become. All right, so when it comes to mistakes, I just usually leave them in or I start over. Uh, As I mentioned earlier at the top of this episode, for last week's uh, episode, which came out a little bit early, I did have an error that I went back and just fixed. It was simply that the outro music overlapped with the last couple of uh, seconds in which I was talking. Uh, The other thing that I did was I added in a few extra segments that were missing that I had intended to put in. By the way, if you hear a little background noise, that's, I think, the uh, there's a truck outside that's beeping. I'm not sure if that's going to pick up. I think the ATR is actually pretty good at blocking that out, but that's an example of external noise that sometimes you might hear. Uh, but these days, I usually don't cut that out either. Uh, and, the, and the reason is this. For the most part, you're just putting out the content, and your listeners are interested more in the content itself, in my opinion, than how perfect the sound quality is. And that's why I always recommend you can start simple and and upgrade later. All right, let's talk about some best practices when it comes to interviews. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about this with uh, podcasting tools, but for scheduling your interviews, you could do it one of several ways. You could do it through back and forth communication and just setting up those appointments once you've agreed to a time and a, a date and Zoom and Skype, all of those interview platforms, they have you know mechanisms through which you can send out an email with the scheduled link and everything, and then the person can just plop it into their calendar. If you want something more formal, let's say you're doing all interviews and you're scheduling them back to back to back to back, I'm going to talk about some scheduling tools and options that are available a little bit later, including the one that I used back when I was doing all interview podcasts, because doing it by email can get a little bit cumbersome, especially if you're scheduling a lot of interviews. When it comes to interviews, a question that I get asked sometimes, pre-calls. The idea of if you land a guest, should you hop on a call with them to talk about the interview beforehand? My general rule of thumb on this is No, I don't do pre-calls with guests, including guests that I don't know, that I've never met. I find that largely largely and generally speaking, there are two problems with pre-calls. Number one, it takes up a lot of time, both your time and the guest's time. And the guest might not have that luxury or the time to spare. Number two, pre-calls, in my opinion, sap out a lot of the energy that should be on the actual episode itself. It's a a weird thing, but the the times that I've done a pre-call, and there have been far and few in between, sometimes I find that there's a lot of nervous energy, there's a lot of um, rapport, you're connecting with someone for the first time. All of that's, that's, that's good stuff. That's good energy that should be in the actual episode. But then you've already talked everything out, so by the time you get to the interview, it sounds a little bit less energetic. It sounds a little less spontaneous. I like having a little bit of spontaneity in my interviews, so I generally don't do pre-calls. Now, I do have 
two exceptions to this rule. Number one, if the guest wants to do a pre-call, maybe they they want to go over how the interview works. They've never done a podcast before where it's on a particular subject. It could be a, a technical subject or a sensitive area. Then yes, obviously, if a guest wants to do a pre-call, that's something I will accommodate. And I've had that happen. I've had a couple of guests reach out to discuss kind of how the interview works, how the whole process works. So I do that on a case-by-case basis, but largely speaking, generally speaking, I don't do pre-calls. It's not something that um, I request normally. Other podcasters may feel differently about this, but I I don't think a pre-call is generally a great idea. Now, again, there are exceptions to that rule, and the two that I can think of is if the guest requires it or requests it, or if it's on a very particular technical or sensitive area such that you want to plan out some logistics on the interview or conversation, then yes, it might be appropriate. All right, when it comes to interview podcasts, don't be afraid to ask the guest to repeat something or to clarify something. Now remember, when you're interviewing someone on a podcast, it's not just you and that person. I always say that there are actually three people, at least three people in the room. There may be more if you've got more people on the actual podcast, but if it's you and and one guest, there are actually three people in the room. It's you, the guest, and your listener. And the listener could be one person. It could be many people. So if a person is talking about something and they throw out some jargon, an acronym, a term of art, even if you know what it means, don't be afraid to ask the person to clarify. You can even say something like, for our listeners, can you define what XYZ means? Or if you have that moment in which they're sharing something really important, you could ask them to emphasize it, ask them to repeat it. Wait a minute, I want my listeners to hear this. Can you repeat that? And that could be helpful in the event that there is an interruption, let's say there is a siren that goes that goes by, or uh, you happen to have some sort of signal interruption and you lose part of it, don't be afraid to ask your guest to repeat what they've just said. So remember, there's going to be at least one additional person who's not going to say anything that's going to be in the room, and that's going to be the listener, the person listening to your podcast. So don't assume that just because you know what they're talking about, that your listener does. Ask them to define terms of art. Ask them to define things. Ask follow-up questions. Follow-up questions, I think, are some of the most powerful and impactful when it comes to conversations and interview. If you're interviewing more than one guest, or if you're doing this with a co-host, I do recommend you're going to need to kind of do a little bit more of more planning on your part. With co-hosts, co-hosts are very tricky. And I I recommend with co-hosts, figure out what the flow is going to be. You could, you could arrange it so that each host does, um, you can alternate hosts. So one host does an episode one week, the other host does an episode the next week, or you can be on the same episode together. But figure out what your rhythm and flow is, and that's where the practice comes in. Now, when it comes to interviewing more than one guest, and I've had a couple of episodes where I've interviewed uh, two guests, and and that's for situations in which I'm interviewing business partners or co-authors or things like that, mix it up and balance it out. So if you have questions that you're going to ask, maybe ask one and then throw it to the other and then lead off with the next question 
to that to that second person and then go back and forth. Try to balance it out and try to keep it conversational. When it comes to interview questions, it's entirely up to you whether or not you want to send the questions ahead of time and do kind of standardized fixed questions or if you want to leave it a little more open-ended. I've done both, experiment with both. Sometimes guests will ask me what types of questions there will be. So be prepared to give at least a general overview of what you want to address what are the topics, what are the subjects, if not the actual specific questions themselves. And that's usually something that uh, you can take care of logistically by email, etc. A question that sometimes really savvy podcast guests will ask, and this is a great question, and I do recommend make sure you have an answer for it, is who is this podcast or this episode intended for? And in part, as part of your podcast planning, you've thought a lot about the topic, You've thought a lot about the goal, the exit, and all of that, the formatting. At this point, you should have an idea of who your listener is, especially based off of your goal. If your goal is a teaching podcast, you're teaching an expertise, then obviously your listeners are going to be people who want to learn a particular skill or subject. If you are a learning podcast, you are learning about a particular area, then Obviously, your listeners are probably going to be people who are learning with you, or they could be experts who want to listen to what the guest has to say because they're in the same field. So be prepared to let your guests know who the audience is because that will help them in focusing the interview because, again, that's the guest being mindful of who the other person is in the room who's not going to say anything, which is your listener. So, uh, and sometimes I recommend this for a lot of um, new podcasters is think of who your ideal listener is or do like a biographical sketch of someone who might be listening to your podcast, your biggest fan, that kind of thing, and be detailed about it. Think of their age, their demographic, where they're located, what they do for a living, all that kind of thing. That will actually give you a, a, another anchor point in really crafting your podcast. Um, I've never had a situation, I mean, I haven't had too many situations, uh, in which like the power goes out or the, uh, the Wi-Fi goes out. I mean, it does happen. And, um, so it, it may happen. It's not something I overly worry about. It's not something that happens often, but if it does, don't panic. If for some reason you're in the middle of an interview, you're doing this great conversation, the power goes out, just Reach out to them either by phone if you have their number or email. Let them know. Um, really sorry if you can get back on and just pick up from where you left off. Try to do that. Um, if you can't, you may have to reschedule. These things happen. I haven't had it happen too many times. I think maybe once or twice. Uh, but, you know, it's not something I, I think you should stress out too much about. And um, one practice that I do have that I will share is that if I have an interruption, and we hop back onto, let's say, Zoom or Skype, and we need to pick up from where I left off, what I will usually do is I will prompt the guest with the last question I asked or just give them some sort of reminder of where we left off and just give them a point in which they can they can continue from where we left off. And then later on in the editing process, you can splice it together. It may just be easier to start over too, depending on how far in you're in. If you're just only a minute or two in, you may just want to start from the very beginning. 
So that's up to you. And that's, that's going to depend on a lot of things, including your guest's time. So be mindful if your guest has the time to, to do that. You may need to reschedule. Uh, a piece of etiquette when it comes to interviews, let the guests know when, where, and how. And this is something I do now as a manner of standard practice. I didn't in the very beginning when I did interviews, uh, but uh, as I continued doing more and more and as I started getting more and more guests lined up, I would be doing interviews that were two and three months out. Uh, so what I would do is I would let the guests know, and you can you can actually do this if you're doing an interview podcast. Just have like a spreadsheet or a document where you list out all the dates within the year or the season in which your podcast will go out and just, you know, organize a list based off of guests or episode and let the guests know this is your episode, episode number X, it's going to air this date. In fact, that's, I just most recently I did that with Rich when we recorded the episode. It was only uh, less than a week before it aired, but I said, Rich, your episode number 409, it's going to air next Thursday. So I always let the guests know when it's going to air, where it's going to air. You know, let them know that, especially if they're not accustomed to, to doing a lot of podcasts, let them know where it's going to be available. Let them know if you have a website with a write-up, let them know that it's going to be on your website. If you're on social media, let them know where it's going to be posted on social media. If they're on social media, and I will cover this more when I talk about intake that, uh, you know, let them know that, uh, make sure you're following them first of all, and then tag them on social media. We'll talk about that type of etiquette and that kind of process a, a little bit later. So when it comes to solo and interviews, really, those are some best practices that I can share. And a lot of this also, I'm not going to give you an exhaustive list. There's more to this. A lot of this will be you figuring it out. Uh, you're going to start out it's you're not going to be perfect at it and you're just going to get better over time you will develop your own particular style you will develop your own best practices the one that i will say when it comes to interviews which i do recommend is have a checklist that you follow every single time that includes a reminder to start recording and as i mentioned last week i'll say it again it, it bears repeating let the listener or guest, I mean, the guest know, I'm going to hit record now. Just say it out loud and then hit the record button. That's just a prompt and a reminder to you as much as it is a, a notification to them that you're starting the recording process. That will minimize the chances that you will forget to record the interview one, uh, after it's begun. And thankfully, out of well over 200 interviews, I've only had one situation in which I forgot to uh, hit record. And ever since that time, I always have that checklist. And I always say out loud, I'm going to hit record right now. And it lets the guests know. And it's also a reminder to you to hit record. All right, uh, we're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, I'm going to share some tools on podcasting. And we're going to do the wrap up. Hey, Moving Forward listeners, if you're interested in starting a side hustle, selling clothes from your closet, I've spent over four years helping my dad expand his brick and mortar business with Poshmark. In my book, The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses, I take you step-by-step -step with clear instructions, pictures, worksheets, and skill-building exercises to get you started. The book covers everything from taking great listing photos to creating videos that pop using nothing more than your smartphone. 
The Poshmark Guide for Individuals and Small Businesses is available in paperback and for Kindle. I've also created a companion workbook, the Poshmark Seller Journal for Individuals and Small Businesses. Both books are available on Amazon, where you can find quick links at bemovingforward.com and in the show notes for this episode. Start learning and moving forward today. All right, we're on episode 411, Moving Forward, Best Practices, and wrapping up the podcasting in 2022 mini-series. So I hope you have found this informative and helpful. I'm also going to direct you to the mini-series that I did in uh, 2019. In the write-ups for these episodes, I've been tagging some of those older episodes in which I go into greater detail on things like hosting providers, editing, best practices, all of that. A lot of the information from that series is still relevant. The reason why I'm revisiting the um, the topic this year is because so much has changed. And in my opinion, the tech has gotten that much easier. So I think it's more important than ever, since you have so many tools at your disposal, to put more focus and time into the planning of the podcast, into the architecture, before you get into the tech, before you 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 launch your podcast, before you set up your podcast account on Anchor or whatever hosting provider. All right, I'm going to share some tools uh, to help you in your podcasting journey. Now, one thing that I think is key for interview podcasts is to have some sort of intake form. And uh, what I generally do is I use a very simple form that I put together on Google Docs or Google Forms. And it's, it covers the basics. Number one, I let the guests know that um, this is going to be a recorded interview. So what I do is I have like a, a form with a checkbox and a consent that allows me to record the interview. That's just covering your 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 basis. It's usually presumed that if a person agrees to a podcast interview, they agree to be recorded. But just as an extra precautionary measure, I put that in the form. This interview will be recorded and it will be aired publicly, that sort of thing. And I always get the guest consent. You can do it on air too. I used to do that in the early days. Uh, when I hit record, I said, where before I hit record, do I have your permission to record this interview and that sort of thing? But I think it's a good idea to have it in a form as well. Uh, so I usually put that in the intake form. It's up to you if you want to put questions. I generally do that now. I either put the actual questions I'm going to cover or an outline of what the interview will cover. So that uh, I will definitely put in the intake form. But at the very least, I would get the permission of the, just get the consent of the guests to um, record and air and publish the episode. Uh, I will also add, because now I do videos with a lot of the interviews, I give the guests the option. I usually leave it up to the guests whether or not they want to do interviews on video or audio only. For me, I have no preference I'm comfortable in front of a camera. I'm comfortable just in front of a mic. Not every guest will feel the same way. Some guests, they love doing video where they've done video before, where they find that to be an attractive option. They will choose that. Other guests may not be as comfortable. So I generally leave it up to the guest and I give them the option of choosing video or audio only. And I make it explicit because in the early days, I would get this question. Do I need my camera on? Well, you can cover that in the intake form. It lets them know, gives them that peace of mind. So I generally 
leave it up to the guests. I don't force anyone to do video. And uh, I let them know in the intake form, if you choose audio only, you can leave the camera off. Scheduling. Uh, you can use your intake form for scheduling. So if you are scheduling a lot of guests, you can create options for them to choose a date and time, and you can do that through just basically a checklist. Google Forms is pretty good for displaying options. The one thing it's not great for, though, is if you are scheduling a lot of guests, you know, unless you're checking your form every minute and updating it, it doesn't, I don't think there's a way to set it up so that if someone chooses a date and time, that that option is no longer available to someone else. So Google Forms is a little bit hit or miss when it comes to scheduling. So I do use it. I did use it for the writing series. And basically what I do, uh, I basically say choose three or four times at work for you. And then uh, I usually will confirm it based off of their options. So if two people have chosen the same, same time slot, you know, they should have chosen some others as well that they're available so that it gives me some flexibility. But if you need something a little more formalized, I will talk about schedulers uh, that you can use uh, in just a minute. So intake form, Google Forms is okay. It's not perfect when it comes to scheduling. The other thing I will do is I will, uh, it's a great option to use for things like if you have a website and you're writing a blog, which I do for moving forward. And for guests, I usually ask for a headshot. So uh, that usually ends up being the header graphic. So I ask them and you can set it up so that they can upload a headshot. Um, social media. I usually ask the guest, is it okay if I tag you on social media? If so, can you list your social media handles and where you're located? That just makes it that much easier on me. And um, I also leave an option at the end. Do you have any questions for me? And that's usually either a, uh, a box they can fill in or they I just leave my email and they can email me questions directly. But I do recommend set up some sort of intake form and Google Forms is a great way to do it. Now, if you are doing 100% interviews, uh, I recommend think about a scheduler, uh, an actual scheduling tool. You can still use Google Forms for the general intake, but using Google Forms for scheduling might be a little bit cumbersome. So for scheduling, there are a lot of options out there. You can definitely um, you can definitely Google search and see which ones are out there. Um, you know, they're probably both premium and paid options. The one that I used back in the day, back when I was doing a ton of interviews, when I was moving forward, was a hundred percent interview podcast. I used the service called Acuity. Now back then they had a free option. They no longer have a free option. I think it's a, a, a subscription based platform, but I will say that it was excellent. It had pretty much everything I needed to schedule interviews. It, it was very easy to use. It was, it basically did the job of Google Forms. So I could use it as an intake form. People could fill in information, but more importantly, it had a very user-friendly scheduling option. So I could create appointment slots and they would be time zone adjusted. That was the big thing. So I had guests from all over the world. And when they got the scheduling link, it would adjust the times for their time zone so they could pick accordingly. And then once a time slot was booked, 
I could have it set up so that time slot was no longer available to another guest. So Acuity is what I used back in the day. They had a free option, but now I think it is it is a subscription-based platform. I think you can try it out, but that was one that I really that I really liked. There are plenty of other ones out there. I think there's one called like Schedulicity or Schedulosity. I, I've seen a bunch of them, Calen, calendar ones. Uh, you know, I don't remember all the names, but, uh, you could do some Google searches. You can, you can find, uh, probably a ton out there and many of them have trials, so you can try them out. If you want a basic one, Doodle is pretty good. Uh, you know, it's a very simple one. It's a free one you can sign up for. You could just basically, uh, do time slots and send that out. And of course you can always just do email. But again, if you're doing a hundred percent interviews and you're doing a lot of them, it, it it can get pretty cumbersome just doing back and forth email. So you might want to use a formal scheduling option. All right, tool number three, social media. This is an interesting one. It's almost a chicken and egg question. For those of you who are starting a podcast, like anything else, you're either using social media or not. Uh, the interesting thing about me is that I was on social media, but I wasn't all that active on it. I was kind of an occasional lurker. you know, very casual with it. Doing the podcast actually made me more of an active user on social media, particularly when it came to Twitter and LinkedIn. And so make that decision early on. Do you you want to use a lot of social media? It's as Rich Perry talked about on 409, it's one of the best tools out there for connecting with a potential audience, getting feedback, and of course, promoting your podcast. Uh, I will say... A lot of it will depend on your podcast. So think about all the different social media channels. My recommendation is don't spread yourself too thin. Don't try to do all of the social media channels. Maybe pick two, three at the most. And, um, you know, pick, pick ones that you feel like will be a good fit with your podcast and maybe focus on those. Or even just one if you want to go if you just want to really focus and, and laser focus on one social media platform, that might be better. Uh, but um, social media is is a philosophical question and uh, also a, a, a question that you will kind of have to address yourself as a podcaster and content creator. There is one social media tool that I think is very, very helpful, and it's called Headliner. You can find it at headliner.app. It is a great tool, and they have a free version. I think they give you like... A, a set allowance per month, but I, I use it every once in a while. And what you could do is you can create clips of your podcast uh, and you can spruce it up with graphics. You can, you can even add captions to it, which is one of the advantages of it and use that to create like clips of your podcast. If you want to promote it as a teaser, especially on something like Instagram uh, headliner is great for that. So I, I use that every now, now and then you can check that out on your own. All right. Big question. Again, this also is uh, a philosophical question. Do you need a website for your podcast? Yes or no? I do get asked this question again a lot. I've gone back and forth on this. So I will start here. If your podcast is an extension of something you already do, let's say you already have a blog, you already have a website, you have a business site, you already have a business then what you want to do is you want to integrate your podcast to that existing website. And it's very easy to do. 
In fact, every host service provider has tools for that. I'll just talk about Anchor. With Anchor, I can take my RSS feed and I have a page on bemovingforward.com, which is just simply all the new episodes listed in reverse chronological order or chronological order or whatever, the newest episode at the top. So you see just a list of episodes. You can play the episode right there. Anchor also allows me to take the HTML code from each individual episode and create a radio player on each individual blog. So I do a write-up with every episode, including this one, and I have a radio player that I can stick at the very top of that blog. And I do have listeners. I do have some of you who will listen directly off of the website. And of course, you can populate it with external links to Spotify, Apple, and that sort of thing. The question is more, if I don't have a website, do I need one for my podcast? Now, here's my kind of thought on that. If you're just starting out, this is your first big foray into content creation. I would say at the most, maybe get a domain, a www.domain that might be tied closely to your podcast. And you can have that redirect to your host service provider. So every host service provider like Libsyn or Anchor, you will have a dedicated page with your podcast episodes. You could do that. That's a very simple way to do it. Or you could have it redirect to Apple or Spotify or something like that. A great in-between option between doing nothing and getting a full-blown website is Linktree. And I've talked about Linktree on prior episode. I L I mean, I'm sorry, excuse me, L I N K T R dot E E. It's there's a free option out there. That's what I use uh, for a lot of my bio links. You can basically create what is really just the most simplified version of a website, which is just a list of like links. So you can have a link to your anchor page or your host service provider. You can have a link to the different syndicated channels. Uh, so I think Linktree is great. A lot of professional content creators use Linktree in place of a website because it is just so easy. You can populate links and it's a hack that a lot of people will use on their Instagram accounts because Instagram doesn't allow you to populate links in posts. You can have one bio link. And so a lot of people will use Linktree as their bio link. So you can use a Linktree. In fact, I know a couple of podcasters who just use Linktree and nothing else. You can obviously create a website if you want. And this really is determinative of, I mean, it's really going to be determined by how far you want to go with this. And I recommend maybe start with a link tree or just have a redirect. And then later on, you can decide if you really want to uh, invest in a website. You can use WordPress. You can use Wix. There are many different ones out there. I was on WordPress for a long time. I'm now on Wix. Um you know, check out the pricing options. And in fact, both of them also have free options as well. You can actually set up websites for free. They'll just have a um, uh, uh, a URL that's not really, uh, I mean, it's sort of customized, but it's, it's kind of like a, a commercial link. And you may see some ads and things like that on there. But you can create free websites on WordPress and Wix. And then what you could do is if you grab a domain, you could have it redirect if you want. And then later on, if you decide you want to invest more, just like with everything we've talked about, you can always invest more to upgrade it. 
So why might you want to have a website? Why wouldn't you want to have a website? Well, number one, it really depends on your time and your goal with the podcast. So if you don't have a lot of time and you're already busy enough and fitting in the podcast and recording these episodes is taking enough of your time, you may not want to do all of that. Same thing with social media. I get asked this a lot. Do I need to create social media channels just for my podcast? No, you don't have to. It's entirely up to you. And look at the amount of time it's going to take, the potential ROI on that. And remember, as with anything else, if you're just starting out, if you don't already have a large following, it's going to take a long time to build that up. Most people don't blow up overnight. It takes time and dedication. So you might be better off just using your regular social media accounts rather than establishing new ones and managing more. Like anything else, you're adding more work to your plate. So decide, A, do I have the time to do it? And B, is it worth it? And it might not be, and that's okay. You can always expand later on. Same thing with a website. Now, I will say, speaking personally, for me, having a website is very important. It's really kind of my digital calling card, my business card. I use my website for a lot of things. It has a lot of information on there. I use it to promote my books. But equally important to the podcast, it is a supplemental hub for me to put out the information. So sometimes uh, I can articulate things better in writing or I can go into greater detail that I don't on the podcast. So that's what I use the website for. So I create a blog with every episode that I do. And that's where I have a lot more information. And I have, uh, you know, uh, quite a number of blog readers who may not be podcast listeners. Vice versa, I may have listeners who don't go to the website. For me, the blog and having the website allows me to focus on written content. And for me, writing is as big a part of my life as podcasting, if not bigger. I do a lot of writing. And one of the things that I've always said is that a podcast is a great catalyst for your writing. If you want to be a blogger, if you want to write, but sometimes you may not feel like you have the discipline to do it, Committing to a weekly or bi-weekly podcast is a great way to also have content that will allow you to, to really blog and to write. And it, it, doing a weekly blog helps me keep my writing skills sharp and also think kind of big picture. Your writing content may end up uh, becoming a book. And that's exactly what happened with the podcast, uh, with the Poshmark miniseries. I did a series of podcasts on Poshmark, which I continue to update, and I created written content for the website. I created written content on LinkedIn, and a lot of that information ended up being, if you will, the rough draft of the book that I ended up writing. So think of it in terms of not just do I need to do something, but what will I get out of this? How will this supplement my goals? So... You may find that having a blog is is part of your goals. If you want to do more writing, having a podcast and tying that to your written content and your website could be a great way to, to get the most out of the content that you're producing. And as I've talked about, there are great tools on most host service providers, including on Anchor, and I found the same thing when I was on Libsyn, to integrate your podcast to your website. So if you go to bemovingforward.com, I have a dedicated page, which populates automatically with the new episodes and I 
create a blog every week in which I embed the specific episode, sort of like its own radio page. And that's that's how I create that content every week. So for me, a website's very important, but it might not be for you. And you may not have the time to do it now. So make that decision yourself. But at least I wanted to share that with you. There are many tools out there if you want to supplement your podcast, promote it, etc. All right, let's wrap up the series. We've covered a lot. And I just want to go over what we've covered this season with, with podcasting. I recommend, especially if you're new to the podcast, start with episode 405. I always recommend start with the exit, plan that out. That's going to be the basis upon which you're going to create the blueprint for your podcast. 406 is where I go into picking a topic and from your topic, specifying a goal and a result. Have a goal for your podcast, but also have some sort of result that you want to achieve by the end of the podcast. 407, I talk more about developing a topic, but then getting into the format of your podcast. Based off of your topic, goal, and result, you can formulate the format, solo, interview-based, formal, informal, length of podcast, scheduling, how often you want to do this, that sort of thing, and practice. Start practicing. Practice is really important for finding and crafting your style. 408, I go more into style, but also how to gain confidence with podcasting and setting realistic expectations, having some sort of realistic goals and expectations with this content that you're creating. 409 is a great conversation with Rich Perry, a fellow podcaster. We talk about getting started, goals, format, confidence, and we do dive a little bit on the tech. And last week on 410 is where I really went more into the tech. I gave a basic overview talking about hardware, software, editing, hosting, all of that great stuff. And today we're talking about some best practices for solo and interview podcast. I've also shared some tools on podcasting and we're going to wrap it up. I also will refer you back to my 2019 mini series. Some of the things that I didn't cover this time around, you will find on that series a, a lot more detail on things like editing and how to compress your files. If you want to get into that, I cover that a lot and that information is still relevant. And so I refer you back to uh, episode were those episodes from 2019. And in the write-ups, I have tagged a lot of those episodes as well as that mini-series. So that's available for you as well. I will have this 2022 mini-series wrapped up in its own mini-series page as well. And I'll have that linked in the 2019 mini-series page. In other words, the website, bemovingforward.com, is where you'll find all of these resources together. So this year, I've covered a lot, but... Two things I want to impress upon you. The tech is a lot easier. Literally, if you wanted to start a podcast, you could download the Anchor app, hit a button, speak into it, and publish it. The tech, I don't think, is the issue anymore. And you have a lot more tech options. As I talked about last week, there's so much equipment out there to cater to any budget. So you don't have to spend a ton of money to do a podcast. You can pick up some of the basic skills and launch it yourself on a modest budget. The big thing I wanted to emphasize this year is the planning. And I really think the the cornerstone should be your exit, really mapping out your podcast. That's what's going to help you think about the formatting, think about what you want to achieve with this, and more importantly, giving you something that you can really hold on to that will allow you 
to stay motivated week after week or every other week in creating the content. So I really put a lot more emphasis this time around on the planning stages. The tech is important. I don't want to discount it. And that's why I spoke, I did a very long episode on it last week where I broke down uh, the basics as much as I you know, wanted to. There's obviously a lot more to this. And again, as I've said on all of these episodes or most of these episodes, there's so many resources out there. Don't just rely on on me or what I've shared. There are plenty of resources out there, free resources on the interwebs on podcasting that, that you can you can pick up and learn from. The assignment, your last assignment. If you've been following this series and you want to launch a podcast and you've gone through all the steps. Now, first of all, you may still be on some of the earlier stages, and that's fine. You may still be planning your podcast. You may still be practicing and figuring all that stuff out. So don't rush it. You don't have to follow me in real time. But if you're at this stage now, your assignment is to launch your show. This is what I want to leave you with. Just like with editing, practicing your podcast, you can fall into a rabbit hole. You can get into this comfort of practicing and practicing and practicing. You can create a bunch of practice episodes and you can look at them, listen to them and think, you know what? I can do this better. I'm going to continue doing this better. I would say try not to do more than two or three practice episodes. By then you should have a pretty good idea of what your format's going to be, what the tone is going to be. You're not going to be fully confident. You're not going to be fully polished and you're certainly not going to be perfect. I'm not perfect. I've been doing this for a long time and I'm by no means perfect at this. Don't worry about that. Just launch your podcast. Even if you feel like you don't have a full, you don't have a hundred percent grasp on everything, that's that's okay. Because part of this is that you're going to be learning as you go. You're going to be improving as you go. So I recommend set a an actual firm date to launch your podcast and stick to it. If you need someone to keep you accountable, reach out to an accountability buddy or announce it on social media. And then once you've gone through these steps and you've practiced your your episodes enough, just launch your show and learn as you go because that's going to be a big part of this. So that's your assignment, especially if launching a podcast is one of your goals whether it's this year or one of your New Year's goals coming up for uh, 2023, launch your show. It's going to be exciting, intimidating, nerve-wracking, fun. I mean, it's going to be all of those things, but I think you're going to enjoy this. All right, the write-up for this episode is at bemovingforward.com. Again, I'm going to have a mini-series page for podcasting in 2022 with all of these episodes, but if you're just checking this out, I recommend start with 405, and uh, today we're wrapping it up on 411. All right, next week is going to be the season finale and the holiday episode. I'm going to air it a little bit early. It's going to release on Monday, December 19th, so the first part of the episode, I'm just going to wrap up the season. I'm going to talk about... Um, some administrative things. I'm going to be taking a break after the finale and then uh, we'll be diving into the holiday special. So that'll be next week. Again, that's going to air this time intentionally. This is going to air on Monday, December 19th, and that'll be the wrap up of season nine. I hope you have a great week and a great weekend and I'll be back on Monday. You can find the write-up for today's episode at bemovingforward.com. The views expressed by any featured guests 
are not necessarily those of the host, the program, or affiliates. Moving Forward is produced by John Lim and BeMovingForward.com. All rights reserved.